1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Matchball.
2: The Matchball 30 is sponsored by Calidus, leading consultants in health and safety, project management, asset management, environmental services and training. Visit wearecalidus.com for more information. Dan, Michael and Moscow on the Matchball 30, where we chart the journey through the 1991-1992 season, game by game in real time, 30 years on. And hello to you. And which is going to be the best chart-topping televised performance this weekend? Is it going to be the video for new chart number one, Michael Jackson, black or white? Have you seen that video? How have they done it? It's amazing, isn't it? Or is it going to be Leeds United at Aston Villa?
3: How have we done it? (laughs) I know a a couple of uh, games ago when we did draw with Wimbledon I, I did say our title challenge was over and we'd be lucky to finish in the European places
2: going to win the league it turns out aren't it turns out
3: we're brilliant yeah. so that's good good news weekend
2: for your old uh, Terry Waite as well he's uh, not chained to a radiator anymore he's been freed been set free
3: back into the wide world that's good He'd get home to uh, tend to his allotment
2: yeah and he can come on presumably first thing he's going to have done flicked on ITV seen Leeds United taking apart Aston Villa
3: Will he have be been appalled by the fact that it's not three o'clock on a Saturday, do you think? Is he a traditionalist in that respect? Well,
2: I mean, Do you think it uh, impacted the crowd? I mean, look at that. It's only 23,700
4: turned up. I was sat at home watching it on telly in the West Midlands. I thought you meant Terry Waite's release, like everybody would be at home celebrating that, so nobody wanted to watch I mean, in Villa. They were as well. They were as well. I wonder if they had to explain to him what uh, Leeds United did at Bournemouth, because with his experience coming out of 1980s Beirut, he might have been <laughs> able to relate. <laughs>
2: Well, the lineups for this televised game for Leeds United, slightly strange, but we'll come on to that when we've uh, got through the list of names. John Luke in goal. We've got Mel Sterling, Tony DiRigo, David Batty, Chris Fairclough, Chris White, Gordon Strachan, Rod Wallace, Lee Chapman, Gary McAllister. That's your one to 10. Number 11, John McClelland with Carl Schutt and Steve Hodge. It's on a the sick bench.
4: joke, putting John McClelland at number 11. Number 11, that pacey left winger. Up and down the line. It's uh, where he belongs, isn't it? It's, uh, yes. Interesting move. Well, it's... um. But well, let's mean, do the Villa lineup and then you will it'll understand. everything, won't yeah, it? The big secret. Yeah, so Villa, Les
2: Seeley, the angriest goalkeeper in the Western Hemisphere. Uh, again, we'll come on to that in due course. Sean Teal, Darius Kubitsky, who um, he came in on
4: trial to us, didn't he, last season? He did when Legia Warsaw were over playing scum in the European Cup Winners' Cup. They left him to have a trial with us for a, a match, which was quite a an odd little maneuver, but obviously rubbish, otherwise we would have signed him. Steve Staunton, Paul
2: McGrath, we've got Mark Blake, Kevin Richardson, Tony Daly, Saw Regis, Daly and Atkinson, Dwight York completing their 11. And it's uh, Tony Daly was the one we need to watch out of this. And this is why we have John McClelland at 11. We're, we're doing fancy things, aren't we?
4: Yeah, previously it's been uh, Michael Whitlow's job to keep an eye on um, Tony Daly, whose uh, pace is extraordinary in the first division. He's a very fast right winger normally. But unfortunately, although you could argue that Tony Rigo has been an improvement on Mike Whitlow in some ways, pace is just not one of them. <laughs> and uh, I think general defensive capabilities, you can't trust Rigo with Tony Daly. So in previous matches, Mike Whitlow's done a man-marking job on Daly and uh, not given him a sniff. And Howard Wilkinson has uh, seen that that worked. But this time, he's entrusted the job to Chris Fairclough, which means John McClelland, wearing 11, will be playing centre-back alongside Chris White. Tony DiRigo will and Mel will still be our full-backs, so the back four is as normal. But Chris Fairclough won't be in the back four. He'll just be following Tony Daly around he He's got a free everywhere role, as long as his free role is to follow Tony Daly. Essentially, yeah. And I mean, the way it, it turned out, I think he got one opportunity. He was absolutely magnificent in this, Chris Fairclough. And what a plan to basically say, we'll turn this down to 10 versus 10. But you lose, Villa lose their best and most dangerous player and we just lose a defender. I mean, man for man marking. I wonder if that's ever going to catch on.
3: I think it's all right to do it on the odd okay for like one player, but doing it all over the pitch should be suicidal, I would say. not
4: be spending uh, marking Dennis Wise or something. When we play Chelsea, you have got to go man to man against him. I don't think it's quite necessary. But Daly is a very dangerous... Um, do you remember his goal against... Everton Daly's dazzler where he, it's uh, across from the right and he meets it full on the volley. It's an incredible finish. So he can do that kind of stuff, but not with Chris Fairclough stepping on his toes all game. And
2: Villa, let's not forget, they're coming into this on a good run of form because they're not too far off. Our coattails, fourth in the league, but six points behind us. Big Ron's in charge there. Do you remember the communist, Dr. Mm. Joseph Vengloss? He got sacked. And uh, Big Ron, Big Ron Atkinson has come in and um, changes have been afoot.
3: Jewelry mainly, yeah. Extra, extra gold on him. But yes, he has changed the entire side, which maybe needed doing. Given we um, we beat them five two last season, maybe he's improved them. Maybe he hasn't. Who knows? But yeah, completely different team. Five point five million pounds. This old David Platform, which is that's a massive amount, isn't it? Silly, silly money. He's gone off to, to Syria. But yeah, he's, he's that's, that's Syria and not Syria.
2: Yes, because you might you might be causing flashbacks for Terry White there. <laughs>
3: But yeah, they've um, they've he've got and uh, he's gone to, back to Cyril Regis as Ron Atkinson, the creative old uh, old bastard there. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's knocking on a bit, isn't he, old Cyril? But still able to do a job
2: some weeks. Atkinson he left Sheffield Wednesday because he won promotion. Then he got that Rumbelows Cup against Scum. Remember Shez scored that winner. Very nice. Uh, but he's he's uh, up sticks and gone down the whatever road it is that leads from Sheffield to. To Birmingham it's probably going to be the A42 isn't it he's going to have
4: gone down a bit and M6 across, or
3: something maybe so I don't know
4: uh, who knows everything south of Sheffield I'm, done, I'm not interested it is um, a bit of a greatest hits team for um, Ron Atkinson as well because he signed his uh, not his son Delian Atkinson everyone has to always stress that they're not related just the same name but he had him at uh, Sheffield Wednesday and obviously he had Cyril Regis at West Brom back in the day 1.6 million pounds for Dalian Atkinson um, and they spent 450,000 on Kevin Richardson, 1.1 million on Steve Staunton from Liverpool, 200 grand Darius Kubitsky cost, who we didn't want. Um, loads of others. Uh, Les Seeley was free from scum. But um, yeah, they've uh, they've put the Platts and Tony Cascarino money to rapid use.
3: And he's still got Paul McGrath as well, who he, he describes as the best centre back in the world, who he, he obviously had at scum as well.
4: Yep. Yeah. yeah, there's. Uh, He's, it's a little bit like, it's interesting that he left Sheffield Wednesday after bringing them up because Howard Wilkinson was obviously at Sheffield Wednesday a long time and one of the reasons he left them to come to Leeds was total lack of ambition and that they he thought he had them in a position in the first division where they could crack on and win the league and they just, the board weren't interested in that and ended up getting relegated. He came to Leeds and reunited all the Chapman, Verardi. He always wanted to strike in Sheffield Wednesday as did Ron Atkinson in the end. Mel Sterling, all those kind of players who we've had, had before. And I think uh, Ron Atkinson's come up against a similar kind of wall, got Sheffield Wednesday promoted. Right, what are we going to do? Nothing. Right, I'll go to Aston Villa then because they're going to spend loads of money.
2: And uh, we're on telly, which is exciting, isn't it? The Sunday big match. Have you heard he was on co commentary? Uh, is he delivering this in English?
3: It's that, that deserter. Traitor to the nation, is he? I would say so. It's succumbing to the lure of the yen. That's mm. how the YEP describe his actions. But yeah, England's. England's hero Gary Lineker
4: 31 going to Japan is effectively retired shocking yeah. behavior Brand new. they don't even have a league yet is it the, the team is going to Grand 8, have not played a single match because the league is all brand new so we've seen their kit though it's like like um, Roy of the Rovers stuff isn't it big step into the uh, unknown for him but yeah why not dip your toe in Japan
3: He's very near the England scoring record, though. So if he gets booted out of the team as a result of it, he could regret it.
4: Uh, who would you put in, though, if he
2: if he doesn't make it? I mean, the YEP put in a few names forward.
3: I mean, I'd put Chapman in, yeah. personally. I know get someone, get a youngster in. That's mm. what I say. I mean, the, the YEP are saying Alan Shearer or David Hurst. I mean, now,
4: I'm, not it, sure. I'm not sure he's that
3: good. Hurst is the man you want to go for of yeah. the two, if you're going to back one of them. Well, yeah.
4: if you want a goal scorer, then it's Lee Chapman, surely. That's yeah. what I just said, yeah. So yeah, I just
3: yeah. saying, I mean, I would, or Wallace, maybe, if mm. he can prove that both to, of them. If p- he can stay fit for more than five minutes. Shut it
4: outside bet. in with Verardi. He'd work hard, wouldn't he? <laughs> right. I so uh, Verardi still might want his um Italy call up.
2: To the um to the game then and uh Gary Lineker whispering sweet nothings in our ear out of our telespeaker as we um make a bit of a scrappy start. What what do you make to it?
3: We were just feeling our way into it, I think. There's a bit of, there's obviously a bit of a different system in place with Fairclough doing his thing and it doesn't feel like anyone has particular hold over it in the first 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. It, I think our midfield doesn't seem all that connected to begin with. And then as the game goes on, McAllister and Strachan just kind of take control of it. And that's when it—that's when we really start to steamroll them. I mean, because we do that
2: opening 20-minute salvo normally, don't we, where we kind of try and grab these games by the scruff of the neck. But that's not the case in this one. If you've a few corners, but nothing too clear-cut, because you'd expected you'd Hope to capitalize on Chapman's heading ability as England's new number nine, wouldn't you?
3: Yeah, the first chance doesn't come until sort of twenty minutes in when it's a it is a long a long kick from Lukic, which Sterling flicks on and puts Wallace through. Which it is a really good save, actually, from mm-hmm. from Sealy, and which he is then. Is
4: that the first time he's furious? He really enjoys that save, doesn't he? He's very happy that uh, be, uh, being able to show off his goalkeeping <laughs> skills. Uh, yeah, I mean, Les Sealy just looks angry by default, but I think this is the first time he's. Uh, resting Sealy face was transformed into an actual <laughs> protest against Paul McGrath and Cole. I think
3: he's particularly furious because there's, he makes the first save and then, I can't remember how the ball somehow ends up back with Sterland. Who barely barely about, a
2: chance to reset himself and calm down. Who
3: shoots from about 30 yards and I think he's really pissed off that they're allowing Mel Sterling to shoot from 30 mm. yards and the first chance and his life. And he's angry about that again. The so way the whole thing's panned out for him he's just, he's just not very happy.
2: One long disappointment, a series of disappointments that Turn into one mass disappointment that is Les Sealy's life. Uh, and then we're at it again just a minute later with some, some nice stuff here going on with uh, with Strachan Mac.
3: He shouldn't be disappointed because he's having a good game at this point is Les Sealy. Another good save from... Um, yeah, we, we end up getting a corner after some nice interplay with uh, Strachan and McAllister and Strachan's corner is, is kind of... I don't know if White gets a touch or whether it just bounces in front at the veneer post but by the time it gets to Chapman the ball's a little bit high for him and he, he does get ahead on it but it's he can't quite get enough power but it's, it's a decent save from Sealy.
2: Uh, they have a chance then, shortly after that. Deep ball. Not much
3: in this really, is
2: there?
3: Sterland, is he
2: going to get caught by the offside here?
4: Well,
3: um, he's trying to play York offside, but he kind of gets it. He's
2: fast fastest Dwight York. You've got to be quicker than that, Mel.
3: He kind of gets it wrong. So he's moving forward as the ball is going in behind him. But it's uh, he doesn't quite strike it properly, doesn't York? It's it's still a decent save from Lukic with his foot. But um, yeah, we, we, we do kind of get away with one because he's, um, he's not caught it cleanly.
2: We'll head in towards half time sort of just feeling each other out but it does feel like we've had the, the lion's share of this we've been the better side generally speaking would you agree
3: yeah we've definitely been on top I mean for as much as the, the openings are a bit scrappy we we are in control at this point
2: and uh, we get the goal just before half time 41 minutes on the clock and it is 1-0 you c- yeah you could argue this one has been coming so uh, talk us through this uh, absolutely I mean long range effort that's coming from Rod Wallace I mean brilliant finish
3: I mean it's a Wallace goal but it's a it's the Chapman goal we've seen lots of times before. Essentially, it's Strachan passing it to um, Stirland, crossing Chapman with a great header that very nearly goes in.
4: Yeah, everyone was winding up for the um, the long Stirland throw, but he's he's always thinking his mel and or at least he's always got Gordon Strachan telling him what to do. So um, yeah, they they created it, and um, I think Wallace is absolutely right to claim that goal. I mean it, it it wouldn't have happened without I mean, him. The camera angle like that square onto the
2: post like side on. It probably wouldn't have snuck in the header from Chapman would it? You know the uh, the save that Seely's no. made. and I it's think...
3: a, it's a brilliant save. That's has to be said it's it is, if it's one of those that if which makes the
4: outcome even funnier if really.
3: Little, if little Rodney's not there to to tap it in. It is it is one that you'd probably
4: see replays of. It was a defender coming back as well wasn't it? So he he had to uh, win it. But yeah this is from I'd say a maximum of 6 inches yeah, out. Yeah yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I
3: mean, yeah, it, it Studs looks, on net, it looks pretty much on the line.
2: And he, he enjoyed it and he's scoring. That's the important thing. No not matter whether it's six yards, six inches or 60 yards. Not that many going from 60 yards, but you know, you catch the point. Uh, and then a minute later, Sealy, obviously very, very calm about the goal. Batty has a shot from 25 yards out, 42 minutes on the clock. He's, uh, he's raging once
3: again. I mean, allowing Batty space to shoot from 25 yards is, I suppose it is a relatively safe strategy, generally speaking. So maybe Les needs to wind his neck in.
4: It does seem to be the one uh, part of the pitch that Aston Villa haven't really got a grip on is midfield. Because they've spent all that money but ended up with... um, They've got Mark Blake. He's uh, rubbish, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Who is rubbish? 20-year-old. I think he's played England under 21s. And uh, as we've seen in the second half, Gordon Cowan uh, comes on who just about qualifies for England under 41s. (laughs) And then uh, it's uh, Kevin Richardson. It's not a good midfield. Mark Blake and Kevin Richardson up yeah. against um, David Batty and Gary McAllister, so it's no wonder that uh, we're just doing what we want in that part of the pitch while Les Sealy uh, deals with it all being hit.
0: Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, better help can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule.
1: Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
2: And speaking of the pitch, bit of a pudding, isn't it? And we've seen something a little bit wild happen there as the halftime whistle's gone. Um, everyone making their way back to the dressing rooms. And there's Wilco being collared on the way down towards the tunnel, being interviewed, and he's, he's worried about
4: the state of this pitch. There's no need to speak to him now, is there? I think he's, more, he's worried about Gary Newborn sticking there microphone in his face when he's off to do his half-time team talk is there's very much a hint of um, resignation and not playing along with Wilco here because Newborn I think wants something you know oh that goal just before half-time that's what are you going to do for the second half and Wilco's it's like I don't like the pitch there's been I've seen a good pitch at Villa Park before but I don't think the pitch is very good cheers Howard keep watching ITV everybody (laughs) Uh, back for more after these ads Uh, and then Straight from the
2: kickoff, we win a corner in the second half. We go about it. We mean business. Whatever he did say in that dressing room at half-time, it certainly worked because uh, it's 2-0 after 47 minutes as well.
3: Delightful timing of the goals. Just ruin the half-time team talk before and then render it absolutely redundant within a couple of minutes. And it's a bit of a classic Leeds goal is this again, isn't it? Struck into the near post, flicked on. The flying pig flying in. Heads it in from six yards.
2: A beautiful sequence of headers. Uh, yeah, white with the flick on. Mel Sterling just... Throwing himself at it, and this one is, yeah, six yards out rather than six inches, but a nice finish. And he enjoyed Isn't he's, he's scoring more goals than you give him credit for, is Mel
3: this year? He is, and not just against um, Sheffield United. Les Seeley uh, took it well.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, I mean, come on, he, lads, uh,
2: we can get back into this. Never mind. No, he's absolutely furious, isn't
3: he? Doesn't get any better for him either. 56 no, no, minutes, no. game over. And another goal from a corner, but this time uh, I'd say this is a silky continental style corner this is
4: wizardry I mean we've seen them try it before if you remember there were a couple of games last season I think it was the Everton game and at least one other where Strachan and McAllister had a little go at this it didn't come off and then here it is and it is absolutely magnificent
2: so it's a corner in the the far right corner as we look at it from the tele cameras and uh, Strachan little tap out to McAllister pulls in the two men who come to deal with the short corner don't they Strachan just staying on side there, just trots down the uh, down the byline and gets a little uh, reverse pass from McAllister. Beautiful! It's oh, a back
4: heel.
3: It's it a back heel. It's like a drag under the foot, isn't it? That yeah. he does so good. And I think, it, in fairness, it's the defenders on the line who are obviously expecting a cross and don't push out, which allows Strachan to sort of float in that gap, just yeah, just, yeah. just stay on side in that in that big pocket of space that they've left. And the two defenders. I mean, if we do this all the time, people will get used to it. But the two defenders, they're just drawn into McAllister so so easily. Both of them idiots. Idiot. They are idiots. Yeah. Exactly what they are.
2: Yeah, back heels it to Strachan who trots along the line a little bit and then it's actually quite a narrow little corridor that he's got there but it's the Chapman corridor we know that because there are people both on the line holding the posts and then holding the six yard box and Chapman has just stood between them in a little three yard space and uh, and Strachan just toe ends it into that
4: gap Chapman taps it in 3-0 game over beautiful what a nice goal it's how he gets to that position Chapman as well there's a beautiful movement from uh, Chapman and White as soon as the corner's taken it, and you can tell it's all pre-planned because as soon as the corner's taken Chapman and White both run away and they're both off and it's so uh, coordinated you know that's going to be part of the routine as well it's not just what Strachan and McAllister are doing with the ball it's what they're doing to get out of the six yard box and then come back in again the whole thing is planned absolutely beautifully and the fact that it took it uh, took place right in front of the away end as well and with it being a corner you've basically got every player apart from John Lukic in and around the penalty area just means everybody's piling into the front of the um, the away fans to celebrate, and there's nothing. I think Strachan and McAllister, in particular, having pulled that off and planned it and practiced it and got it wrong a couple of times before, finally it working. The delight. There's nothing a Howard Wilkinson team loves more than scoring a rehearsed corner kick, especially one that's um, got a little bit of uh, brains and skill to it, like this one. It's Absolutely superb.
2: And you just know we're going to remember this one from years to come. Just uh just funny, like you're saying, it's execution, but also so stylish. And but well, we're not done there, we could make it four a minute later. And we're running rampant at this point, and what a performance.
3: I mean, McGraw takes a, a sensible yellow, doesn't he? Because Wallace it's basically Wallace and Chapman are both through, and he could just before he has a chance to square it to Chapman, he does um he does bring him down. And I think then Gordon Stracken ends up speaking to the referee saying "I no, don't send him off because there's there's some debate as to whether Wallace is through and yeah. Strachan's like nah because
2: we've had all the professional foul rules have come in haven't they of course like we, we saw some we not remember which game it was it but was Neil Ruddock being sent off at Southampton
4: and then at the end it, yeah, of the yeah. game Strachan I shouldn't have gone should he said, uh, ridiculous yeah, it was ridiculous it had been sent off and that there's too many red cards and it's it's spoiling the game I don't forget Strachan played with McGrath at um, scum as well so there mates. and I know you were uh, scoffed slightly at Ron Atkinson's assessment of McGrath as the best centre-back in the world. I think he's actually really good in this game, not just he deals with Wallace better than you'd think for somebody who doesn't have any knees. Mm. I mean that's part of it I mean you've got, it, I don't know if it's fair to factor into his quality, the fact that he doesn't train because he's got no knees and he's a, a sadly an alcoholic, which I think the two things are not conducive to top-level athletic performance but he manages to pull it off magnificently and the number of times Rod Wallace and sometimes even Lee Chapman from goal kicks get caught offside is also down to having an excellent centre-back just going push up doing all the timing stuff so he's he's very you can see what uh, Ron Atkinson means and why him and um, Jack Charlton loves him for Ireland as well put so much faith in somebody who essentially turns up on match days and is hopefully fit to play. So an hour into this game,
2: you know, final week of November 1991, an hour in and the away end is singing and now you're going to believe us we're going to win the league. Is this the moment, do you think, when people are starting just to believe and to think that it could be our year with performances like
4: this? Well, Villa were supposed to be outsiders for the league or not really outsiders, but, you know, they've got a top manager that spent all that money. They are in the top four and having a really good start of the season. They're the ones who probably have a a more glamorous profile than Leeds. I mean, Ron Atkinson wears sunglasses in the dark, Mm. so you can't get much... uh, And his big coat,
2: let's not forget his big coat that he teams it up with.
4: I mean, you need it because... And he works in Spain. It's a flash flash bastard. Interesting at Villa Park that they don't actually have dugouts and they also don't have benches for anybody to sit on by the looks of things. Basically, there's a wall with no roof to it with a metal railing that everybody just stands and leans on to watch the game. <laughs> so that's um, unusual. At least at Leeds, there's a bit of shelter and a bench. But yeah, I mean, it's not like we're just blowing away Luton at the bottom of the league or Sheffield United or somebody. These are title contenders and we're absolutely destroying them. Chapman, not done yet. He almost adds uh,
2: another. Dorigo breaking down the left. And it, again, so much Wilkinsonism in in this. Uh, crossing to Chappie at the near post is Tony DiRigo and uh, Seeley makes a save presumably all sweetness and light there with the keeper
3: I think even he's losing a a bit of hope at this point being angry is not working for him
2: this was annoying though 68 minutes (sighs) this felt like a kick in the balls when we were just running away with it should he have done better?
3: well he's kind of unlucky Daly gets it off batty but the ball sort of ricochets quite kindly for him I don't think he's I'm not going to give Daly any credit he, he, I think he's a bit fortunate to win the ball, and then he um, he does run forward fairly mm. well. Through ball to uh, Atkinson, who outpaces McClelland, which is maybe that not, comes as a shock. Which is maybe not the toughest of tasks for him. Lukic saves all right, I suppose, but it's it's a bit like the Wallace one in that it's it's just trickled across goal. That's and why you put it across the keeper, isn't it? Leaves the tap in there for uh, for Dwight York.
4: There's mm. probably more blame on this for Batty because Gordon Cowans has just come on in. Place of that nonsense, Mark Blake. <laughs> and when Daly takes the ball off him, for some reason, Batty's next act is to try and sort of climb up Gordon Cowan's face. And I'm not really sure what he's trying to achieve. It's sort of, you'd um, maybe try and stop Tony Daly from running away with the ball, but it's, it just kind of goes running full pelt into. I think he's maybe, oh, Cowan's has just come on. I think I'll let him know I'm here. By um, I wasn't sure if that was who was the aggressor there because I wasn't sure if Cowan's was involved in it as well. They just but well, this is it. The Batty is concentrating on having an off the ball fifty fifty with a, a very old man. <laughs> Meanwhile, the one thing that we don't want to happen is Tony Daly playing a, a very good through ball to where uh, Daly and Atkinson, um, because part of the payoff with Fairclough following Daly around is that you are leaving McClelland up against Daly and Atkinson and he will do it for pay- I think you I think we'd been trying to keep him more on Cyril Regis, so the two veterans to be uh kind would be looking after each other and there is um, a bit of that I think it's right at the start of the game McClellan kind of um, goes up for a header and comes down holding Cyril Regis's neck and Regis has turned the referee like come on he's been doing this to me for 20 years (laughs) are you going to do something about it no play on there was a penalty shout as well for um, Lee Chapman in the second half where he, he went down onto a McGrath challenging guy turned to the referee with his arms spread open nobody else said a word it's Get up, chappy. We're not having that. So, yeah, it's one uh, It's one error. And then Lukic is very exposed. He does his best, I
3: think. The nice thing with the the horrible memory of the Sheffield United home game where we were massively in control and then they got a goal and it all turned to shit for a while. Nice in this one that they score. It lifts the crowd a little bit, but then essentially nothing else happens to them. It's, just, that, it's that little sniff, isn't it? But yeah, I thought we managed it really well. We just remain in control and we we, we nearly score again. There's a nice, um, late in the game, young man gone straking, still... Bursting his lungs, getting onto a, a good through ball from um, from Gary Mack, which he's, he just skews it a little bit wide, just drags
4: it. It's ridiculous. Some of the work ethic in the last five, ten minutes of this match, considering we're 3-1 up, we're pretty comfortable, and a lot of our players are quite old. <laughs> the The effort and the tackling and, uh, you know, Gordon Strack and slide tackling Steve Staunton in the left-back position. You don't have to, Strack, just, you know, you could not he always oh, it's, will it's great there isn't uh, the
2: hunger and that lifts our crowd too doesn't it you see it's just it has that real effect of carrying us through to the final whistle and while we did manage the game really well and we're still 3-1 up and you know as the clock ticks on you start to get that sense that the win will be ours always nice just to bookend the game with a goal last minute because it has that huge effect that feeling of release doesn't it where you know that's it the game's over you thought you had a sniff, but we've put it to bed now. 4-1 in the final minute.
3: In front of the away end as well. It's just yeah. a nice nice way to cap off a, a day out for people, isn't it? But again, this is against Strachan running relentlessly. He runs through midfield with the ball, passes the Stirland, into the middle. Chapman's there. Yeah, no yeah. one marking You know him. the rest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, I mean, they have... Is
2: it, completely... he's, in his, he's in his corridor.
4: it's they on have, his head. What happens? Yeah.
3: He's in the corridor by himself on this occasion. <laughs> They've obviously completely given up and they're like, oh, well, 3-1, 4-1, whatever.
4: It's still one of the classic... Lee Chapman finishes even though he's got the, the room. I mean he's what is he 14 stone and 6 foot 2 and he manages to get himself completely airborne and manoeuvre balletically like a missile. There's some mixed metaphors for you, <laughs> <laughs> But he does all that stuff to to get on the end of this um, cross from Mel Sterling and again going back to the how much of this is kind of um, Sheffield Wednesday old boys doing the thing. I'd love to get a breakdown on just how many goals Sheffield Wednesday and Leeds scored of just Sterling crossed the Chapman header, Sterling crossed to Chapman header. It works. And it works and it's beautiful. It's, um, the cross is absolute perfection and the athletic ability to head it so powerfully through the, the, the hands of Seeley. It's kind of, it's above him. He doesn't have a chance. He can't even get close to it. It's, um,
3: yeah, roof of the it's net incredible. header is satisfying to see, isn't it? Just the way it goes in. With uh, such power. I think it's nice as well with these goals. I think that all four goals combined are probably about twelve yards out. They're off <laughs> they're all from such point blank range, but it's the best place to score from, as a, an attacking coach will tell you. You yeah. really if you're really close in, yeah, um, it, you're more likely to score.
2: Mm-hmm. It's easier, isn't it? Mm. Mm-hmm. I get that. Uh, six goals in his last game, uh, three games against Villa for.
4: For Chapman, which is great against the so-called best centre-half in the world. Contrasting with Gary Lineker, who mentions on Coventry that he's never scored at Villa Park, even as a schoolboy. So just yet more evidence that Lee Chapman is the man to replace him for England and improve the team. Another little minor bit of uh,
2: happy narrative that occurred with this. Obviously, Tony DiRigo had played for Villa before he went to Chelsea and then we signed him. Just one or two little boos ringing around Villa Park when uh, when his name was announced before the game, but he gets man of the match, Lineker awards, in man of the match in this one.
3: Everyone is brilliant. I mean, Dorigo is excellent in this, but I I think it's one of those games where you would struggle to say anyone was below a seven. The lots of lots of eights and nines about Strack and brilliant McAllister, uh, McAllister as well in midfield. Sterling putting some great crosses and getting a goal. Just the whole Wallace getting his his tapping,
4: which is um, he you was know, really good. It's a goal this game, still. Actually. He was um, very. Uh, dangerous up against uh, Villa's back four. And I think um, Dorigo stood out because with so much of Daly and Fairclough happening in the left-back area, Dorigo a lot of the time you know, he had to get out of the way and was sort of playing in midfield rather, well, they kind of swapped over. It wasn't a case of Dorigo just standing at left-back whenever Fairclough and Daly came into his own. So it meant uh, Aston Villa then had this new concept to deal with of our left back playing in their midfield, while their right winger is essentially being pushed off the pitch, and that's why um, Gary Lineker said it on commentary that if he could have given um, man of the match to Howard Wilkinson for this one, he he would have because well, he should uh, have the idiot. Well, he's not a player. You give it to a player. Oh, right? How so is that the rule? Right, okay, so um, he also did say that he might have given it to Lee Chapman if he'd waited two minutes and seen the fourth goal. <laughs> um, he's
3: not really very good at old. TV stuff is Linica? No. stick
4: to playing a bit wooden I thought in his delivery mm.
2: no, no charisma really but you know not a bad choice for man of the match Dorigo's ace He's a good player and uh, Wilkinson obviously happy with that and you know points out that the pitch wasn't great but it was about making room, time and space to play in those conditions so uh, yeah I thought I thought we would manage the game brilliantly from, from start to finish and it means we're not quite title favourites but we are top of the league our odds are now 5-2 to two. they've been slashed qu- They've been cut, slashed, yes. Man United, though, still the favourites at 11-8. to eight. And just having a quick look through the uh, the weekend results. Uh, Everton beating Notts County 1-0. Luton 2-2 in Man City. Man United 2-1 against West Ham. That was the important one to watch this weekend. Uh, Norwich 3-2 against Coventry. Forest beat Palace 5-1. QPR lost 3-1 at home to Oldham. Sheffield Wednesday one Arsenal 1. Southampton beating Chelsea 1-0. Spurs losing at home to Sheffield United. (laughs) Uh, Wimbledon 0-0 with Liverpool. And then on the Sunday game, obviously, we beat Villa, which leaves us on 17 games played and 36 points at the top of the table. Man United have played a game fewer. Uh, They've only lost one game like us, but they've got 35 points. So if they win their game in hand, they will go above us. But that gap's starting to open up now to Man City in third. Six points behind us. You've got Villa. On twenty-seven points now, nine points behind us. So uh, a
3: two-horse race. Is
2: it looking like a two-horse race for you as we're heading towards the new year? I mean, you can't Man City can't be dropping points at Luton, can they? They're I mean, out of Luton it. What I will say actually, if you look at the some of the numbers here, is that you know, you remember Man United started running away with it, statistically speaking, at the start of the season. Just look at our goal difference. We've scored thirty-one, but we've only conceded thirteen now in those 17 games. So we've got a positive goal difference of eighteen. Man United have scored 25 they've only conceded 8 which is still very ridiculously low but it just does feel like we're we're getting closer to them because their goal difference won worse at 17 so um, it's because we have good strikers and they have Brian McClair a happy day what a day brilliant to see that on telly wasn't it for the the, the world the nation to see
3: I'm glad I recorded it on my uh, my VHS yeah. watch that again later I mean, keep
2: that tape mm. but don't you go recording Michael Jackson's new video <laughs> over that if you do it'll be very very disappointed as good as it is I think we should stick with Leeds United don't you and we'll round off The rest of November on the 30th, we'll return back to Ellen Road playing Everton at home in the league. Fingers crossed for another table-topping performance. We'll see in a bit. The Matchball.
1: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50